good to see your faces, and I'm sure you're, you're going to enjoy this Bible reading chapel. It's a one of a kind. It doesn't happen on this campus very often. Well, at least it happens annually, and this is the 40th year. So it's been gone, going longer than I've been here. We've gathered this evening to read and to hear the Word of God. As you can tell from your printed program, I hope everyone got one as they came in tonight. This chapel is a long-standing tradition. It has a rich history. And the most important thing that's going to happen for us tonight is to have an encounter with the Word of God. So I challenge you to listen with your mind and your heart. As you listen to these readings in a few moments, you will encounter various types of literature found in Scripture. This is the way we approach that in the class. There's something about a story. Everybody likes a story. And three of the readings tonight will take us on location. We will relive the events that forever impacted the lives of those who experienced them. Some of the stories are more dramatic than others. We find ourselves taking sides with the characters. We identify with their plight, or their point of view, or their personality. The poetic lyrics of scripture have a way of expressing the gamut of emotions that we feel. Everything from anguish to exhilaration, from disappointment to joy. The psalmist has a way of expressing our praise in just the right words. You'll hear that tonight. The orators in scripture have the ability to persuade their audience to believe in something or to take action. This is especially true when they speak with conviction and with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And Peter's speech at Pentecost, which you will hear tonight, is one of those great examples. And another type of literature that we'll hear tonight is the didactic literature. No greater instruction is given in the word than the teachings of Jesus. We learn about our true source of life through Jesus' skillful use of allegory in John 15. So I encourage you to listen carefully tonight. A couple of uh, notations here. Uh, because of the nature of this service, it's not appropriate for us to applaud between the readings, and I will provide an opportunity for you to do that later in the service. You will notice that uh, several of the readings tonight are abridgments of longer passages of Scripture. And so it would be a little difficult for you to follow along, so I'm going to encourage you just to shut your Bibles and listen. Totally engage with your ears. Before we hear the readings, let's express our desire to listen to the, to the Word through our singing. And I've asked a chaplain like to lead us. The words are printed in your bulletin. The Book of Ruth provides striking examples for us of lives that embody self-giving love and conformity to the will of God. Naomi's despair is transformed into happiness through the selfless devotion of her daughter-in-law, Ruth, and the loyalty and kindness of her kinsman, 
Boaz. In this epic story, we see a clear reflection of God's love and of God's redemption. The biggest lesson that unfolds in the story of Ruth is the fact that God can use anyone he chooses to fulfill his will. Charles R. Wilson in the Wesleyan Bible Commentary states of Ruth, Ruth the Moabitess not only came as an honored woman in Israel, but as an ancestress of our great Redeemer, Jesus Christ. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women. One was named Orpah, the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Chilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. And they said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal ever so severely with me if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And it came to pass that as Ruth gleaned in the field of Boaz during the wheat harvest, she found favor in his sight, and Boaz took Ruth as his wife, and she bore him a son. The women said to Naomi, 
Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born to the Virgin Mary, who came from the house and lineage of David. The psalmist is praising God for being saved from certain death. He then worships God, not as a repayment, but as a thankful response for what God has done for him. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome with trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. Be at rest once more, O oh my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, O oh Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I said, I am greatly afflicted. And in my dismay, I said, all men are liars. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to the Lord, to you, and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. And in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Pentecost was a day that Peter was empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It was a turning point for Peter and for all who believed. Here is that story. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there are standing in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. 
When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for, for, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord your God will call. Who is Jesus? Who is he in each one of your lives? For me, he is God, he is Savior, and he is Lord. In him, I have everything I need. For he is truly the vine, and I am one of his branches. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me, that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean 
because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. We have recently experienced the joy of Easter, the celebration of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because of his victory over sin, we can have the assurance that we will live with him forever. But we need to remember that even today, we can claim that same resurrection power in times of personal weakness, in trouble, even in death. Come with me to experience the greatest miracle of Jesus' earthly ministry. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Jesus loved Martha, his sister, and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he waited two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, then he will get well. 
Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Mary said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask for. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whomever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She replied, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she got up quickly and went to her sister. The teacher is here, she said, and asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. When she reached the place where Jesus was, she fell at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and disturbed. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across it. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. He's been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you? If you would believe, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus prayed, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew you always heard me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. 
When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth was around his face. Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. Take the bulletin again and we'll sing the last verse of the song as our response to the word that we've heard. You have spoken yours the fullness, ours the wealth of this, your word. Debtors then as living letters, we must make our gospel heard. By your Spirit's power transform us, shed your saving light abroad. Till our lives by love in action show our world the truth of God. Well, praise be to God for his word and the truth of his word and the power of his word. We've experienced that tonight and I want to thank each of the readers for the uh, diligence with which they have approached not only tonight's chapel but the class that they were enrolled in, oral interpretation. It is a life-changing class and all of them could testify to that fact. So thank you so much and it is a privilege of mine to give to them a certificate of recognition uh, that the college is, has prepared and the certificate reads this certificate is hereby awarded to and the person's name in recognition of achievement in public reading of scripture and participation in the Oak Bible Reading Award program on the 28th day of April 2009 at Nazarene Bible College, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Along with that, there is a donation that's been given by the son and the daughter of Dr. Oak and they want to recognize each reader's diligence and commitment to the reading of the word and they have generously provided a monetary gift of $100 for each reader. So I would like to give that to them at this time and while I'm doing that maybe you would like to express your appreciation for their reading tonight. Dr. Stelting to come and pray our benediction. Would you please stand? Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we give you great glory for you by your power and foreknowledge sent Jesus Christ to be our Lord, our Savior. We, we marvel at the eloquence of your word. 
while aided by human art and craft. Beyond that, your Holy Spirit has spoken to us through these words which, while familiar, are ever new. And now, Lord, what has been started in this reading, may it continue for the professor who for this class and for professors of all our classes, may your word come alive in our hearts, our lives, and in our ministries, we pray in the name of Jesus and thank you for these students who brought your word to us. Amen. You are dismissed.